Hello and welcome to the Dicebreaker Podcast, episode seven. May the thirteenth be with you. <laughs> it's that's the date we're recording this. By the time you listen to it, that joke will be even older than it already is. <laughs> How can you do this to me? I've literally been living in Star Wars hell for the past week, and now you're just roughing it in. Just before we started rolling, we were trying to riff on the idea of it being episode 7, and yeah, I went with May the 13th. May the 13th. With you. Oh, anyway, wow. I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker, and this week I'm joined by two of the team, uh, because Sarah and Wills and Lolis are out on assignment, or just generally taking some well-earned time off. So this week, joining me is Johnny Chiodini, head of video for Dicebreaker. Hello. It's it's funny. It's like, like being head of video feels a lot less prestigious when there's only one person doing video. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's good. I've set myself some achievable targets for this week. I've had to have a word with myself once or twice. But all in all, I'm back on track and I'm getting on with myself a lot better. So that's Excellent. nice. And Alex Meehan, staff writer for Dicebreaker. Mm. You said that like a little robot. I liked that. That's that's what I am now. That's what I've become. Yeah. You're a gonk droid. Gonk. You know? A gonk droid. Honk. Honk. Uh, if anyone is... Well, I was going to say, if anyone doesn't understand that reference, go and watch our playthrough of the Star Wars Choose Your Choose Your Force? Choose Your Destiny? Uh, choose Your Destiny. Yeah. Uh, but your to destiny. be honest, it, it makes barely more sense, even if you've seen that, because that immediately <laughs> just flew off the... Or... Yeah. Or just watch Star Wars, you know, the originals. Yeah. Although you can't really watch the original originals anymore because CGI. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I want uh... someone to do one of those like fan edits, but instead of like changing the taking the CGI back out, they just change everybody's dialogue to just honks. <laughs> I'd watch that. I wonder what you're a traitor to the rebel. Uh, you're. Oh, sod it. How about board games? <laughs> How about board games, Johnny Chiodini? Uh, yes, we're here to to talk board games, and actually there's quite a lot going on this week um, in an interesting time. Obviously, we hope everyone's staying safe out there, you know, managing to feel the time and, and kind of look after your well-being and so on. Um, but we are here to hopefully give you a couple of, well, a couple of hours, an hour and a half or so <laughs> of just, I don't know, just chatter and whatnot mm. and nonsense. Mm. Yeah, uh, so, a lot of nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, Alex Meehan. What have you been playing this week? So wait, is the concept of me nonsense, or do I just have an aura of nonsense? Um, I I think nonsense surrounds you. Yeah, you... I'm a bit like a Doctor Zeus book. Yeah, in that you only speak in rhymes. Yeah, I'm whimsical. I only speak in rhymes. Now let's go on with the times. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> I'm st- okay. Uh, yes, what have I been playing this week? Um, so, for those people who didn't watch the stream on Thursday, firstly, come on now, like let's let's step this up a bit. Uh, secondly, we uh, by we I mean myself, Mr. Whelan, and Lolis played a betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, I see how it is. I yeah. was there for an hour and 50 minutes of that two-hour stream, and yet yeah, suddenly I've been cast away. Ouch. Look, it's fine. once you leave the house, you're not you allowed return. back. No, uh, Matt was there as well. That, I just forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was also there. 
You were fantastic. You won, sort of, technically. Lowly's, yeah, Lowly's won in my stead. I think I wouldn't have won had I still been present. So really, it worked out perfectly for me and that I got to mess around for, for a bit and then just hand over to Lowly's, who I'd just blown up with dynamite. Mm. <laughs> oh, was it the zombie uh, scenario? No. It was not. <laughs> oh, okay. It was weird. It was very weird. Okay. Um, yeah, we were using the Widow's Walk expansion, mm. which other than adding new locations to the house, also adds loads of new scenarios written by various people. This one was the strangest I've ever encountered. Um, it was like a, we were a group of interns working at a corporation and we had to deliver coffee to the various employees uh, and essentially do battle uh, like Battle Royale or The Hunger Games in order to sort of retain our place at the the business we were working at. Yep. <laughs> Hence why Matt Jarvis threw a stick of dynamite at Loli's character. Yeah, fair. Um... I thought it was amusing enough. I mean, it was a bit of a tonal disconnect and kind of tropey, but in a different way. Mm. But um, I thought it was funny, at least. A, a biting satire on today's <laughs> capitalist environment, mm. you know. That's what I want out of my horror board games. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all right. I think it was... It was also one of those things where before we started playing Betrayal, so we were playing on Tabletop Simulator, so everything takes a little bit longer. But Betrayal is one of those games where if you end up with a certain haunt and a certain combination of tiles and equipment and people in different places, it can just kind of drag at points. Yeah. And so the worry was, how are we going to fit this into a two-hour stream if we end up spending 60 minutes chasing each other around rooms? Uh, but actually, oh. it, it, I think it kind of fitted just perfectly that haunt so it kind of all worked out in the end but good. it was very good fun yeah it, it went a little bit over but it actually ended very dramatically with um yeah Loli's reigning triumphant uh after my untimely death at the hands of a an evil old man played by michael whelan oh, <laughs> i'm so glad i missed this stream and it um, was also one of those things where Lowly's, so for people that don't know Betrayal, you are, you work together and then at some point a traitor is revealed and the traitor is, it can be random depending on who reveals the haunt, where it's revealed, all that kind of thing, what haunt it is. But Lowly spent the whole lead up, the, the part of the game that's meant to be fully cooperative, going, I really hope I betray you. I really hope I'm the traitor. And lo and behold, yeah. as if destiny had willed it, Alex Lowly's was the traitor. Not for long, I stole no. that from her. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, at some point she was saying, and I quote, I'm going to kill you. Which <laughs> was very... <laughs> I mean, it helped with the atmosphere building. It was, I can imagine in-game, it was very weird for the characters. Because they're supposed to be all jolly friends, but one of their party members is just telling them <laughs> they wish for their their death. Um, I had a great time. Um, other than Betrayal, I've also been playing um, Bullet with you, Matt Jarvis. Yes, yeah. we And I think by, well, probably not by the time this goes live, but soon 
on the YouTube channel, we should have a Let's Play of Bullet, mm -hmm. um, which it goes live on Kickstarter, I think, on the 19th. Um, but it's uh, available to play on Tabletop Sim, the, the prototype. But yeah, I enjoyed it very much, despite being absolutely crap at it. Oh, you... You um, don't give yourself credit, Mr. Jarvis. I mean, I, well, I got eliminated the quickest, you know, multiple <laughs> rounds before. Uh, I think the only reason that happened, though, potentially, was because I may have been misunderstanding how to play certain parts of the game. Because uh, when I sort of fully understood what was supposed to be happening, I started dying noticeably quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting concept that when you first look at it, it seems like, oh, well, how the hell is this going to work? Um, the art style is all right. Like, it's, it's anime girls fighting, like, off invaders and uh, that initially is like okay but the art is it's all they're right. not it's super um, boobalicious or anything like that like yeah i respect that yeah that's thumbs up from from this quarter on that because it's very much um, a genre game isn't it like for anyone who's not heard of bullet it's basically a board game equivalent of a shmup or a bullet hell game um so it's very video gamey and uh, i can totally see your point about it being very confusing visually to look at when you first see it, because if you ever look at gameplay of a bullet hell game, you're like, how does anyone play this? Because the screen is just full of moving objects, and you've got to pick your way through the little gaps and and you know shoot bullets to take them out, and then attack bosses and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I've not played it yet. I've just read the rule book three times um, in preparation for this let's play, but it's I'm really excited about it because I think it's going to be a very good sort of representation of that genre. Um, anime schoolgirls and all. <laughs> well, they're not. I didn't see any schoolgirls. Oh, that's good. I, yeah, um, my friend was playing as what seemed to be some sort of communist-style anime girl, which was fun. Uh, I think I was a musician, and then Matt Jarvis was. I was an origami folder, who was riding a gigantic paper crane, on the artwork. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. I was, yeah, I was. I would yeah. say I was kind of into the. It. I think it very much knows what it's going for. They all have little like mm. um, tags underneath them that describe what they are. One of the characters, I think there are eight in the game. One of them is just called a baseball fan, and well, something like that. And they, each of them, have kind of unique powers. Um, so the the gameplay, as Johnny was kind of saying, is like a bullet hell. So you. It looks like a bullet hell shooter, but it kind of works a bit like Tetris in that you get bullets drop down in like your little grid and you want to manipulate them by spending points to form patterns, which is where the kind of bullet hell part comes from. And when you form those patterns, you can then remove them from your grid and send them to the person to the left of you. Um, so it kind of works in that way that Tetris, competitive Tetris works, where you clear a line and then you see it drop on the person next to you, um, which is... It's pretty satisfying, and there is like a real sense of like, oh god, you know, like you see the bullets building up and knowing that they're going to land on you next round, mm. Um, mm. because you have to place all of the bullets from your bag as well by the time you finish the round, so you can't finish until all of the bullets are placed. And the main kind of concept mm. is that when bullets appear, they have a number that determines how far down they drop, but as columns get tighter and tighter, they can eventually drop, like hit the bottom. And that's when you take hits and eventually get eliminated. 
Mm. But um, it's yeah. really, I thought it was a really smart kind of melding of the kind of bullet hell stuff, the kind of pattern forming of Tetris. And also just kind of, I don't know, just the board game you bit worked really well in that you were shifting tokens about, you were making these things. And it felt, it was really satisfying. I just found myself getting drawn to it and going in, I thought, oh, this is a cool idea. And by the time we'd finished um, playing, I was like, this is absolutely towards the top of my kind of anticipated list. Yeah. um, Even though, you know, it is a board game, so it doesn't have that kind of um, energy that a video game shmup would bring, like towards the end of the game when things are getting really tough like you do get that sense of oh goodness like uh, my board is so full and i've got more bullets coming Mm. and combine that with uh uh playing some music my choice was the ikaruga soundtrack (laughs) uh you know keeping in tone uh that it creates a very upbeat kind of, yeah, like tense atmosphere. Um, you don't expect it from a board game, especially one that does require you to really think about what you're doing. I think it's probably also worth mentioning that ideally you're supposed to be playing this game in real time. Mm. Like, mm. so at speed. Like, I think you can download timers uh, that have character music for each of the characters and stuff, um, oh, which I wow. think would, would add an extra element of... Um, of pace and sort of frantic energy to it. Obviously, you know, like it, it recommends in the first couple of games you don't use the timers um, because I think in any any real time game, you know, whether it's Captain Sonar or um, you know House Flippers or whatever, playing in real time you have to trust that the other person is doing their stuff correctly. Um, and obviously, you know, when you're getting used to it, that's that's not ideal. But um, the reason I'm looking forward to playing this, not just in general, but in a physical edition, you know, in a room with other people, is I think that's going to be a lot of fun just to be like, just hucking stuff around the table and shrieking because you can't manoeuvre your communist pilot fast <laughs> enough and the origami folder is just sending tokens at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, we'll have a let's play of that coming up and the Kickstarter is out next week. Um, uh we also played Clank. Yeah, we did. A deck building uh, ge- adventure. The latest deck builder we have played together. We're kind of going through them <laughs> one by one. So was this original Clank? Yes. Mm. Nice. It's good fun. Yeah, I hadn't played it before. And I recently covered a news piece about a new expansion coming out for the game. And um, I sort of sat there and I was like, I need to play this game because it sounds like my cup of tea because I love deck building games, but I also love deck building games with an additional element Mm -hmm. attached to it to kind of like simulate, you know, you're in a dungeon with a dragon, you know, nothing amazingly original, but um, the deck building element of it is almost... That, those are your actions you're doing and you're seeing those actions taking place on a physical board. Um, I think it kind of brings the genre to life a bit more. Um, uh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we, Mr. Yeah, Charles? I mean, I had particular fun because I won. But I, th- <laughs> I will say... so. I... That's all he cares about, <laughs> I'm actually... I used to be a really bad loser, but nowadays I just, I'm in it for the fun. But um, 
I will say, so we, again, we were playing on Tabletop Simulator, and it's maybe the most impressive Tabletop Simulator mod. Oh, yeah. Like, the scripting, you could, you press the button to set up the game, which is in quite a lot of mods, but then there were buttons for play your entire hand of cards, which would then automatically add up everything, the, all the icons on those cards. You press buy to buy cards, and it would automatically put cubes in the clank bag, which you draw from for dragon attacks. It knew where pieces were, so when you placed them up the top, it would then start counting down automatically. At some point, it wow. was like it was just a slightly more polished UI away from being like a very strong app version, and it sped it along mm. really wow. quickly and was it made it really easy to jump into. Um, That's great. So I don't, as with a lot of stuff on Tabletop Simulator, there's the caveat that I don't think it's officially licensed or supported by the actual no. creators of the game. So obviously, go and support. Uh, the creators and designers and publishers if you enjoy a game on tabletop sim um but in terms of being able to jump into it and play very quickly it was a uh, yeah it was really something mm. yeah because like like w- with a lot of games um when you were initially you know walking us through the rule book you you know we were like whoa mm. okay this is a lot to take in mm. but then but you know because of how smooth that mod was um, it definitely made the process of playing a lot easier because all those admin elements were, you know, taken out of our hand to the point where I'm, when I can, uh, I'm intending to buy a copy of, of Clank, like, because it just feels like the kind of game I should have in my collection because uh, I'm obsessed with deck building games and it's not like the most amazingly complex you know, uh, game obviously with the expansions, I can imagine that that adds new elements as well. Mm. But like, it's definitely one that I want to pick up. May I suggest that you at least have a look at Clank in Space, which I personally think is better. Mm. Um, obviously, if you prefer, you're in a dungeon with a dragon. Uh, tropes to you are in a spaceship with an alien tropes then uh, then follow your heart but uh, generally speaking I, th- I think Clank in Space is worth a look in yeah no uh, I, it doesn't really bother me like they're both very generic settings the artwork is okay mm-hmm. like I wasn't blown away by it um, I like some of the the tone around it was quite cute and fun mm. um but so, but like a space, the space thing wouldn't make a huge amount of difference to me. If it plays better, then I'd probably just prefer that one. But um, I think I'm making it my mission now to play through a lot of deck building games I haven't, you know, gotten around to playing. Um, but Clank was a lot yeah, of fun. Nice. Speaking of one which, of these, oh, oh, sorry, yeah, carry Jimmy. on. No, go, you go. No, go. I insist. I was going to say, I was going to say, one of these days, <laughs> I'm going to force you to play a game of Doomtown Reloaded with me, me, and because. Yeah, even though you do the deck building before the game because it's a CCG, it is very much a you've built a deck, but it's got extra things because it's it's a very chess-like game where you're moving dudes around in the town of Doomtown in the Deadlands universe. It all, I think you'll like it. When, when we can see each other once again, mm-hmm. we will do that. <laughs> a virulent B-side. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Dude, Doomtown Reloaded, the virulent yeah. That's what all the people in the street were singing about, right? Is Doomtown Reloaded? Yeah, uh, they just bloody love Doomtown Reloaded. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's not get into that. I'm going to jump mm-hmm. in though and talk about 
amazing deck builders. Um, because last week I reviewed Undaunted North Africa for mm-hmm. Dicebreaker.com. Um, I also spoke about uh, spoke about it a bit on last week's podcast, uh, so I won't go massively into detail. But needless to say, that game is really, really good. Um, the Undaunted Normandy as well was really, really good. I think North Africa does some fantastic stuff with the mission types and variety and just adds enough mm. to really... It's definitely more my cup of tea, I think, than just the straight fight for objective points. So uh, for folks that don't know, so the Undaunted series is kind of a deck builder mashed up with like a tactical war game so you control your opposing sides during world war ii um in the original game it was the us and germany here it's the long-range desert group which is the british army's kind of commando squad and then the italians um based in north africa um but you essentially you each have your own individual sets of cards you start with a small deck of you know riflemen and um like commanders and whatnot, you know, snipers, scouts. And when you play cards, you can then control tokens on a battlefield made up of map tiles. So it's kind of, you've got the tactical element of moving around, but also the element of trying to add more cards to your deck by playing commanders who are not on the battlefield because they're, you know, directing from behind the lines. Um, So you add more cards, and that means that you can move your cards more regularly. There are Fog of War cards, so those are just junk, but they kind of simulate, uh, you know, the the difficulty of communicating across a wider distance. Um, But it's really, it's just, it comes together in a way that's really just, I don't know, it's really exciting as you play. And I think particularly North Africa because there are now missions where it's a lot more asymmetrical. So the Italians will have a tank, a literal tank, which is new for the game. Um, Vehicles as a whole are new. But they'll have a lot of firepower. But because they have then a tank crew, those cards generally come up less often compared to the long-range desert group, which will have snipers and scouts, you know, some sergeants and whatnot but there'll be a tighter band, so they're able to move more quickly because the cards reappear much more often. So Mm. just from the gameplay, you get a sense of how the two sides differ, where the Italians have more firepower, but they are generally less nimble. Um, Whereas the long-range desert group, some of them have slightly higher defense while they're out in the kind of deserts, but they are able to move more quickly, and they're kind of, you know, approaching forts and trying to take pieces um, and then the objectives kind of play off of this because the long-range desert group can blow up structures, whereas the Italians have to almost camp on them and keep them controlled to win. And so, and then there are there are things where like one side is trying to escape to a certain tile or or eliminate a certain um, unit by attacking with dice. Um, but it just it comes together in a way that's really impressive, even more so than Normandy. Um, and it's just been. It's one of those things that I look at and I go, this is, it really does feel like one of those games where in 10, 15 years, you know, the deck building isn't necessarily new. That's been done in a lot of other games. War games have obviously been around for ages, but the way, the way they come together here feels like something that can, you know, that will really last and maybe will then inspire other similar games and it could even become its own little subgenre. But mm. I just think wow. it's, it's, it's a really bloody good game. Um, so. Yeah, I feel like I've been sleeping on those games because I, I I'm not into the theming, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I it does sound real, just really bloody good. 
Let's give it a go. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the only other thing that I've really played, uh, other, that I'll mention anyway, is Medium, which I kind of, speaking of sleeping on things, I, it came out a couple of years ago, I think. It's like this mm. quick little party game, and I kind of looked at it and went, oh, yeah, and kind of dismissed it at the time. It, I think it came out in the spate of X party game about X. So this one's your psychics, and you're trying to read each other's mind. It was like, okay, this is a little bit of this. It's a little bit of that, you know. Um, but I ended up playing it on Tabletop Simulator with some friends, and it is a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You basically, one person plays one card, and then the person either opposite them or to their left plays another card. So it could be egg and chicken, you know, very basic things. And then you count down from three, and you have to both try and say a word that can that is in the middle of both, so it's in the medium of both. Um, if you do it, you get certain points. If not, you then repeat that, but you use the words you just said. So if you went with egg and chicken and one person said rooster and the other person said, I don't know, a dozen, you would then have to find a word in between those and so on. Oh, very good. And that's basically the game is it's this kind of, you know, it's a little bit the mind. It's a little bit kind of code names, word association. And it's not super special, but it was a fun time for what it was. Like I enjoyed like just shouting out words and seeing how ridiculous it got, you know, because one person would just go on a complete tangent and then before you know it, you're trying to find the middle of, you know, Johnny Depp and refrigerator or something like that. That's Wine. Funny. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, that's an excellent, excellent oh, choice. Way to undermine my... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's me like, oh, this is so difficult. Uh, but yeah, it was. It's, it's pretty neat as far as those party games go. Anyway, that's me. Johnny, what have you been playing? Uh, my uh, games, what I have been playing at the moment segment is brought to you by the letter D because I've been playing yet more Dungeons and Dragons, yet more Deadlands, and yet more Diplomacy. Wow. So it's business as usual for me. As I've been playing Deadlands, I've been planning Deadlands um, because we've got. I'm trying to get a session organised with the office group that I'm uh, running, but I'm also about to start running a second Deadlands campaign for some other friends. Uh, who just wanted to get into, well, wanted to do a bit of role playing. So I'm all Deadlands all the time, basically. Goodness. Well, I guess it's um, third campaign, right? Because there's also the the run we're doing. Oh, the work one, yeah, yeah. So yes, that's three Deadlands campaigns I've got on the go right now. Oh, gosh. Um, and I'm at the minute in D and D. I'm playing an Assault Marsh campaign, but every now and then, either the D and D fancies a game. Uh, sorry, the DM fancies a game or uh, isn't available. So I will occasionally drop in. So I ran that on the weekend which was very good fun because they're all bananas. And again, I'm going to have to be very careful about how I talk about diplomacy because I'm in an anonymous game. And one of the players looks like they're about to be eliminated. Um, but the rest of the map, it's just a lot of people butting heads. It's very stalemate And it's got to the point where I'm like, someone's going to betray somebody and soon. I think someone's going to get bored of attacking the same cities and being like, well, if you support me from this territory this turn, so someone someone's about to get stabbed in the back, I reckon. Um, and that's that's me, basically. I, I feel like every time I come on this podcast, I just talk about the same three games. <laughs> Not at all. I think, uh, so for folks who didn't listen to previous episodes, you're playing using Backstabber.com. Yes. Which is... Uh, backstabber. Yes, Backstabber. Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's really, really bloody good. Um, mm. It's got its own inbox function. It sort of auto-resolves the turns. 
um, I went from playing a game where we were absolutely rabid about like getting the next turn going. Like if it was the, you know, the build phase, people were like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And we'd be desperate to get onto the next one. The game I'm playing in at the minute, we don't do orders on weekends. So we have a couple of days off and we just let the timer do its own thing. And it's much more sedate and you're writing far fewer letters over the course of time. It's brilliant. Mm. Um, you know yeah. what? I've forgotten Matt Jarvis. What? It's the Scythe update. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. How Sorry. Scythe. Scythe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that music probably sums up my last game. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> yet again, uh, Alex Meehan finds herself at the bottom of the barrel. Oh, mate. Uh, wasting away in liquor and, and sadness. Uh, as her empire is slowly destroyed by her enemies. Wow. Um, yeah, this time, uh, Rusviet? Rus Rusviet. Mm, uh, I was playing as Rusviet, and um, I thought I was having a good go. Mm -hmm. uh, things were moving. They were moving well. I was making progress, getting loads of stars, like the opposite of last time. Uh, but then... Unfortunately, once again, the popularity contest. Ooh. That cursed popularity yeah. contest. Damn it. Why do I have to make my people like me, okay? Why can't they just accept? What I'm hearing from I'm this mean is that you were attacking a lot of people and losing popularity for killing No, workers. not even that. I didn't attack a single, oh, wow. a single opponent. It was mostly just I, I had a, a good infrastructure set up. Um, but I didn't get going with the popularity ah. like my opponents were. And by the time the end of the game turned up, um, they were in the, the top tier of popularity and I was not. Yeah, that'll do um, it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it meant that my points just could not keep up. I'm going to get Scythe installing. I feel like... I don't, I don't know how I'm going to help by playing against you, but I feel like I want I want to be present at least in one of these these games of Scythe to try and unpick what's happening. Maybe your friends are yeah. all in a secret chat where they're like, okay, if you do this, me and popularity, she'll never catch us. It'd be like a, Have you thought a about rocky that? training montage of you just like, click that one, click that icon. Yeah. Yep. You're just <laughs> clicking on sides of beef until the ribs crack. Yeah, I'm like wearing a sweatband. Mm. And for some reason, I'm absolutely drenched, but I'm only, like, clicking with a mouse. It's and Johnny's like, keep yeah. going. Laptop keep at going the top of the Because you just got Riverwalk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's the there's the weekly Scythe update. I could not forgive myself if you do it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, shall we move on to news? Yes, please. There is there is, there some. is some news. Look at it's that. Actually been, yeah, it's been a busy week for the world of board games. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a board games news program that would have aired in the 70s. Yeah, like coming up after Tomorrow's World, it's the world of board games. I'm Richard Cunningham and mm. welcome to the world of board games <laughs> with me, Richard Cunningham. <laughs> interviewing people on the street in Blackpool to ask about whether or not it's sexist to have the iron in as a piece in Monopoly. <laughs> uh, well, it's, mm. it's actually gone now, right? As of a few years ago. So I think it wow. was replaced by the rubber duck or the cat or the T-Rex. Monopoly's weird nowadays. We'll get onto that. There is some Monopoly 
Actually, oh. you know, oh, stuff it? it. Let's Should go for the Monopoly now. Yeah. Alex, me and tell us this let's week's go, Monopoly Let's go update. at it. Actually, there's... I mean, it's been a bumper time for Monopoly as of the last couple of weeks. Oh. You do your Monopoly and I'll drop in my Monopoly. How do I know which one? Oh, hang on. I think I know what you're talking about. Right. Um, okay. Uh, viewers and listeners, I want to give you an idea of the current <laughs> situation I'm living in. Every few days, I check my inbox. And lo and behold, there's an email alerting me to get another Monopoly. This time, I had the pleasures of the Garbage Pail Kids Monopoly. Having not been alive during the 80s, uh, I'm not the most learned of the Garbage Pail Kids world and lore. I don't quite see how relevant they are now. I mean, is there a, is there a resurgence? That's putting it mildly. That I don't know about? Is it like the nostalgia of the 80s is now we're, we're scraping the bottom of Isn't the barrel? Isn't very much um, an American thing as well? I don't think it was ever a yeah. thing over here in the UK. I mean, I don't really know what the Garbage Pail Kids are. They're just kind of like... Are they weird-looking dolls? Is that the the gist? Yeah, pretty much. They're not to be yeah. confused with the Cabbage Patch Kids. Right. Yes. Uh, garbage Patch. Let's just. They're like the Mad <laughs> Magazine. They were. No. That was it. They were sticker trading cards. Um, so there was like, uh, Adam Bomb was one of the most famous ones. It was basically a child with a, a mushroom cloud coming out of his head. Ah, uh, clever. That's that. Um, I'm really glad you said head there. Um. Yeah, the latest news yeah. on the Garbage Pail Kids came in 2012, when uh, it was announced that a new movie would was being um being produced. Oh. Uh, that film is no longer in development. <laughs> so, um, uh, to answer your question, I would say that um, the Garbage Pail Kids version of Monopoly serves the public about as well as disused phone boxes do now that's about the level of utility we're talking about but you know mm. what does serve yeah. the public me and is the other version of oh. monopoly which is the one i actually had in mind for you to bring up but i like the fact that you no, went no, straight no, in I was with getting the garbage to it. it's, it's like let's it's just get it all out build out. up this is the, the yeah. podcast is partly serving as therapy your one source for monopoly news is the dicebreaker podcast yeah, well, okay, let's give the people what they want. Um, this Well, this morning, uh, I wrote up a news piece about, um, from what I remember, the full title is Star Wars colon The Mandalorian uh, Monopoly colon The Child. Yeah. I think I've got that right. I believe that's right. Um, don't email me if I haven't. Star Wars colon the Mandalorian um, colon Monopoly colon the child. M oh, dash. <laughs> Deluxe You're edition. Just chucking a couple of tilds in there. Why not? Why Treat not? Yeah. yeah. Tilled. <laughs> Monopoly. I, I missed out a colon. One colon is fine. Sorry, I made myself laugh. Um, from what I can tell... Uh, this version of that classic game uh, involves um, the character sometimes known as Baby Yoda 
you'll have to forgive me, kids, because I'm not that up to date with what's going on with the television. Um, because I haven't watched The Mandalorian, so I'm just I'm just using my base knowledge here. Uh, as you play as different versions of Baby Yoda, uh, for example, there is one eating a frog, which presumably happens in the series. As, yes, uh, as someone who, yeah. as the Mandalorian correspondent here, yes, at one point the child eats a frog. Mm. Um, and you collect different items from the television series to use those to trade for locations. Yeah, because that's what Yoda's um, best known for, is real estate. Having lived on the yep. swamp yeah. of Dagobah in, like, a tree. He's yep. big into... Hey. It's a slumlord. <laughs> that, that swamp could have been prime, you know, construction site material. You don't know. It's also why, you know, when Anakin was offered a seat on the council but was not conferred the rank of master, he kicked off. He didn't realise he was basically being given a house. You can swap a chair for a chair from the Jedi Council. You could buy that would have bought you a lovely house on um, on Alderaan before, obviously. Mm. The mad thing, ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, well, this is this is a board game that, <coughs> forgive me, does not need to exist. That sounds. We don't. I mean, going by the title it alone, awful. It, it is a board game that exists solely for the concept of money. Where it's like Star Wars, that's a money yep. thing. The Mandalorian, that's a money thing. Monopoly, that's a money thing. The mm. child, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a money thing. <laughs> if anything, we child. should be applauding them for the Garbage Pail Kids one. <laughs> Monopoly, Nostalgia <laughs> Edition. That's the one they're playing to the, yeah. you know, the crowd with. It's like, yeah, we'll put out the Star Wars one for the cash and then we'll chuck out the, ga- uh, the, the Garbage Pail Kids. Garbage. As like a, yep. that's right. as a uh, you know, an indie title. Yeah, it's like the guy who only works at Starbucks so his band can go on tour in summer. Yeah. Exactly. They've got they've got credibility by releasing that. Uh so and Matt Jarvis, would you like to talk about the version of Monopoly oh, that I'd you've love to. been looking let's, at? Let's chuck another Monopoly on the pile, shall we? Um <laughs> On the Barbie. <laughs> uh they've also put out Breaking Bad Monopoly. You know, the show that finished seven years ago. Um, you know, Breaking Breaking Bad is a great TV show, and there have been some interesting games based on Breaking Bad. This does not appear to be one of them, uh, no. because A, did it's we, arriving did... almost a decade after the show finished. It's not even based on Better Call Saul, which is still airing, no. and it has new seasons. Uh, so, yeah. And the other thing with this is that they seem to have taken the main, the main kind of dramatic um, core of Breaking Bad, which is chemistry teacher crime. becomes involved in crime saying crystal meth and producing crystal meth um which i think is a you know it's a very approachable yeah concept for a, for <laughs> a mean, family board they, game they knocked it out because you know it's a family board game franchise they don't necessarily want it to be new monopoly lets you sell drugs but instead it just feels like why did you put breaking bad in this game if you're not going to have the main thing of breaking bad and instead you play as you don't play as the characters of breaking bad you play as various paraphernalia so you can play as heisenberg's hat or you can play as gas mask or you can play as pink teddy bear or barrel <laughs> and things like that it's like a money barrel 
And you go, oh, and you go around the barrel. board buying property. You know, I mean, needless to say, I hate this. But I, am I having a fever dream, or have we already had this conversation? And potentially, have Maybe. we already had this conversation on the podcast? No, I'm fairly sure this is the first time it's been brought up on the podcast. I apologise to viewers and listeners if it has. But this is the kind of reality that we existed. When did we There's talk so many about versions of Monopoly that they all sort of float around and mm. blend into Because we were talking about big... poor sweet Jane and her father. Yes, that was... But so I... this was, a, I think it was announced last weekend, so it would have been after the podcast. So this would have just been us, oh. us slamming it once it was announced. Yeah. Us ranting. Oh, well, it was a good segment when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Cause Sorry, I, forgive yeah, me, I, I was know. alarmed then. Because I remember when I received the email <laughs> over the weekend, and I just went, Ugh. "Yeah, that's kind of the reaction to all yeah. of these monopolies." Is like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's anyway. One. Should... Think that's yeah, let's move on from monopoly. monopoly. Yes. Yeah. Heyo, if you're a fan of Baby Please. Yoda's Breaking Bad, or Chris Crystal or Crystal Math, oh gosh, let's move on. So. Speaking of yeah. news that is actually uh, interesting and games that are half good, uh, there's a new a new pandemic. Oh. Um, the board yes. game. So again, this much like the Monopoly Baby Yoda, this is pandemic colon hot zone dash North America. So there are three different things going on here. Okay. Yeah, we we discussed yeah, so this. Yeah, so it was it was leaked before. a little while ago. Um, this particular pandemic, but now it's been officially announced. Uh, so Zedman, obviously, mm. because they have a franchise called Pandemic about diseases spreading around the globe, decided that maybe they'd hold off a little bit. Um, but now, I think partly because it was it was leaked anyway, they've decided to just get out in front of it and say, hey, we had delayed all of our announcements, but everyone knows of this anyway. So, it is, in short, it's basically a smaller, shorter, quicker version of Pandemic, the board game. Uh, so, as the name suggests, it takes place just in North America. Uh, you go around, you cure cubes. Uh, you are looking to get a hand of cards in order to then cure the diseases and win. That's kind of it. It's very much mm. pandemic, but shrunk down. Uh, plays in about half an hour, apparently. Uh, the interesting thing out of the back of this is they've said it's the first one in a new series, because, as the title suggests, with North America tagged on the end, you know, they presumably will take it to different locations, much like Ticket to Ride has done with its maps. Mm. Yeah, with the yeah. same whimsy as exactly. Ticket to Ride. Play the two combined together. <laughs> Don't play the two combined together. Yeah. It's too too much at the moment. But yeah, this outside of outside of the context of the world and the state it's in, this mm. is interesting. I think those small ticket to rides are pretty decent for what they are. The um, New York and London and the new Amsterdam as well. Uh, they play in about 15 minutes. And mm. they are, they're very much little tasters of those games. So if mm. this... I think it's nice every now and then. If you just like, I, I want the experience of this game, but I don't want to sit down and play mm. it for the full whack. Because Pandemic, if you're playing for a long time and then you, you biff it and, and lose, it can be a little bit dispiriting. But if it's like, wow, that only took half an hour, brilliant. Do you want to get another one in? I can... I can Really, I can see the appeal. Yeah, of that and I think us. this is it will cost less than twenty quid. Uh, let me just oh, nice. check that. I think they put out uh, the price, but I believe it's about fifteen pounds um, or twenty dollars. Yeah, it's twenty dollars or sixteen pounds. So 
I think that's actually a really decent amount of money if you're just looking like if you're looking to get a friend into board games maybe and you don't want to drop 30 40 quid on the full thing you can just give them mm. this say hey check it out and then who knows maybe you'll convince them to play pandemic legacy or you know i think just more more things that get more people into board games is never a bad thing mm. Uh, mm. so uh, they also teased uh, a very very small tease that there would be more information on pandemic legacy season three soon is all they said uh, mm-hmm. which uh we can confirm there will be more news on pandemic legacy season three soon uh what else do we have in news uh a very quick one alex me and you wrote this story gloomhaven speaking of smaller shorter introductory games gloomhaven jaws of the lion tell us about it smaller shorter introductory <laughs> less likely bam, bam, to give bam. you a hernia <laughs> <laughs> um yes jaws of the lion is a spin-off standalone spin-off to uh, the enormous monster that is Gloomhaven. Um, it was announced last year. Yeah, I think so. Um, yes, and it now has a solid release date, um, which is July. Uh, I think it's July, where it's exclusive to... Let me read this story on Dicebreaker.com. Um, oh as my you goodness. can tell, we prep loads for this podcast when I just drop these new stories on Alex being like, <laughs> you wrote this, remember every detail of this story. Uh, right, so Jaws of the Lion, it's, yes, so it's set to come out in July 2020, obviously, which is this July. It will yep. be exclusive in the US to Target until August, but either way, it's a month yes. different. It's out this summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it finally has a solid release date, uh, for the people who don't know. It is a more streamlined, uh, stripped-back version of the original Gloomhaven which is this big campaign-driven board game where you uh, have individual goals and motivations and you travel around an entire kind of uh, a large area in which there is a city called Gloomhaven uh, and you complete loads of different quests and fight monsters and do all that sort of thing. And Jaws of the Lion is to be set entirely within the city of Gloomhaven. So it strips back the potential places you can visit uh the there's a lot fewer scenarios um the scenarios are all in a special book that you get with the game instead of uh having to lay down tiles uh there are four new characters um that are more introductory characters uh for newer players and um i think it's just designed to try and get a less experienced board gamers into you know, something like Gloomhaven, uh, without having to invest, you know, £100 plus uh, and a lot of time and have a, a much potentially more uh, dedicated group of, of gamers, uh, gamers in it. Um, yeah, it sounds interesting. I think it's a good strategy. Um, so obviously if people enjoy Jaws of the Lion, they might move on to Gloomhaven proper or maybe even the upcoming Frosthaven. Mm. Indeed, it's kind of one of those like it's it's a it's a gateway version of mm. Gloomhaven, isn't it? You know, it's like mm. uh, the first taste is always free kind of thing. And then you get hooked. Mm. Then you get hooked. I would say like the to... worst part of Gloomhaven for me was just setting it up every time. So the idea of just being able to open a book and still get you know that combat and that gameplay is very appealing. 
like Gloomhaven yeah. felt like scheduling in an RPG session where it's like, okay, it's going to take 20 minutes to set up, then we're going to play for an hour and a half, then you got to pack it away, yeah, that's... and that's the evening, basically. So if it's why I ended up mm. selling my copy of um, Mage Knight because oh, I just, even though it's it's still rated so highly, um, I just life's too short. It's just too short. And also, it's possible to spend that entire game with other people uh, running around doing incredible things while you're fighting one tower for three <laughs> hours. That happened to me once. God. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say speaking of, but actually we haven't mentioned any of this yet. We've, there's been a lot of news about pirate board games this it week. It really has. Mm. Yes. Well, you, can't, you can't, you know, look over your shoulder about Oh, there's another one. There. Sailing up on the aft, <laughs> starboard, port. Very Do good. I, I just name all of them. All They're surrounding all of, us. All of those are valid terms. Mm. You would look over your shoulder. To, you would look aft to look over your shoulder if you were facing four. Anyway, anyway Alex yes. Meehan up in the crow's nest of this particular, <laughs> this particular uh, news hook scoop. This news sea, the sea of news yeah. surrounding us. You're in the crow's nest. This metaphor hasn't worked out, but tell Hot us, scoops. tell us of these pirate games. <laughs> Yar, Captain. I see approaching us oh, a team of of scurvy pirate board games. Oh, <laughs> uh, For legal reasons, yes, we cannot confirm are... whether any of the board games have scurvy. Look, just eat your satsumas <laughs> and you'll be fine. Um, yes, there, there just seem to be pirate board games everywhere. So, um, coming out this year, we have um, the sort of long-awaited Forgotten Waters. This week, in um, fact. Which has now got... Yeah, it's got a solid release date. Uh, this week, in the UK and in Europe... Uh, it's coming out to retailers, so before it presently, uh, previously was just available through the publisher, Plaid Hat Games, but now you can get it at, uh, quote, various retail stores um, to get your pirate fix. One of your pirate fixes. Um, it's like a narrative-focused game where you sail around, try to become an infamous pirate and have loads of treasure and and there's various decisions you can make and you have to like manage your, your ship. Um, also coming out this year, or set to come out this year, but quite a bit later, is a game called Dead Reckoning, which was announced this week. Um, it is another pirate-themed board game. Uh, it is from the designer of Mystic Veil. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves everyone having their own pirate ship, their own crew. There's like deck building elements where you have to like upgrade your crew, uh, and you basically plunder and uh, sort of fight over these little pirate territories. And it's going up on Kickstarter uh, soon. Hmm. There's apparently. An... Uh, and I was going to have... say there's an element of Mystic Veil in it as well. I think right, it, like the the cards have sleeves and Try, you slot yeah. the, the cards into the cards. The cards into the cards. I think like if anyone's played mm. Mystic Veil, you kind of upgraded your cards by slotting them together. So I think that's kind of in that game yeah. as well. Also, it has the most ridiculously titled combat system I've ever seen. 
which yep. uh, is it the cinematic cinematic broadside, broadside. something system, which is just like just mm. the most kind of weirdly buzzwordy over the top. It's cards. You put down cards. The... Yeah. Matt, it's cinematic. <laughs> cinematic. Okay. Are you not immersed? Is this not immersive enough for you? I mean, it. it even a, a really experienced gun crew would take about two and a half minutes to reload a cannon. So cinematic but it's like a it's a real chin scratching documentary if it's going to be cinematic mm. um yeah i like the idea of the transparent cards um you know uh it, it sounds mm. interesting uh the other game pirate game uh is sea of legends mm-hmm. which is currently on kickstarter uh, we have a preview of the game up on the website um, and from what I can tell, it's another narrative-driven pirate game. You, 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 I think we spoke about it on the podcasts previously, didn't we? Yeah, it's, it seems very much in the Forgotten Waters, Merchants and Marauders vein of you sail around, you do stuff. Sea of Legends, this this thing of oh, you can have a lover, you can have a nemesis. I can't remember if you can have both or if they are. You can either have one or the other, but mm. yeah, or well, they're yeah. both. You know, like Whether that. You're a lover yeah. or a I think fighter. it's it's got quite an impressive lineup of writers have contributed little story bits, and um, it's and much like Forgotten Waters, the story is kind of driven by a companion app. I think so. It is they're very much sailing the same waves. This metaphor is not working out. <laughs> You've just got to believe. Just got to believe in yourself. They're playing the same waters. Yeah. It's fine. You've Nailed got it. it. You've got it. That was the exact we'll same thing. Edit into a coherent metaphor. Sure. <laughs> We'll just take scraps of I'll your just, yeah. voice. We'll what just you make said. A, like a vocal a vocaloid of me, um, and plug yeah exactly good interesting things into it. Then if someone buys me a hurdy gurdy, <laughs> I'll learn it, and then we'll make a jingle. That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, the Sea of Legends looks really interesting. I mean, it's right up my street. Really, I love Merchants and Marauders. I love Sea of Thieves, but like it's, I'm on the fence about backing it because I just that's them's a lot of miniatures. And miniature heavy board games at the minute, I feel like I'm I'm at capacity. Mm. I mean, I mean, this is partly a me problem because I've got too much, too many miniatures to paint anyway. I'm selling a third of my Warhammer collection at the minute just to get things down to you know like an, a sensible size. But mm. when it's like it's a board game, great, and there are loads of miniatures, I just instantly go, <laughs> oh, okay, oh yeah, wow. You've got Captain. We got too many miniatures on the poop Ex- deck. Exactly though. <laughs> There we go. There's scooping There's so many buckets of they... miniatures over the side. Yeah, because we're <laughs> listing too badly. Mm. So, do you, do you guys have an idea why why are pirate board games the hot new thing? I, I don't know, to be honest. It just uh, feels like one of those things where it's probably happened before. Obviously, Merchants and Marauders. You know, you've, there have been pirate games before, and sometimes it just feels like the industry and pop culture as a whole kind of cycles through different interests like there's a bit of a viking yeah. thing going on as well across the mm. board big time and so yeah I, I don't know why pirates at the moment maybe it's because if there's more and more companion app games and storytelling you know the open seas is a really kind of inviting easy way to be like there's a big open world sail from thing to thing and resolve quest Rather than trying yeah. to come up mm. with a fantasy land, you can just kind of chuck a load of boats into the ocean. 
I mean, it's got to be coming up on 20 years since the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, film. I guess 2004 yeah. at Stab? Something like that? Probably. Mm. So Back when they cared and Jeffrey Rush wasn't just <laughs> taking a paycheck. Oh, God, he was great in that film. <laughs> oh, if you... There's a fantastic little video about the making of Pirates of the Caribbean and there is a bit in it where it talks about Jeffrey Rush and how much he was into the role to the point where he would ring the writers while they were just in the middle of the supermarket living their lives and like ask like director questions <laughs> about the character. That's brilliant. Yeah, the good old days. How the mighty have become oh, disinterested. That's the point where the good old days of Pirates of the Caribbean won. <laughs> I didn't hate that film. It's fine. Uh, closing out news, the only other... Well, not the only other news, but the only other news I bother to include on this list this week um, is <laughs> Tabletop Playground, which is kind of a rival to Tabletop Simulator, is out this week. So by the time you read this, I think it will be out in early access. Uh, it's only PC mm. for the moment. Uh, I think Wheels checked it out uh, on a, and chatted a bit about it on a previous podcast and kind of said, yeah, seems, seems very much like Tabletop Simulator. Uh, they don't yeah. have that many mods at the moment. Um, which obviously is a big part of Tabletop Simulator, but they're promising slightly more advanced and flexible tools for making mods and particularly things like miniature games and things like that. But I think, as we kind of said before, it will sink or swim to continue the pirate metaphors um, on... That would have been a much better one. Now I'm using it. I'm wasting it on a (laughs) non-pirate-related story. Um, It will sink or swim on the strength of its mods and how, how much people take that up. Um, so mm. you know it's out there if you want to check it out I think it's $15 yeah $15 12 quid so it's around the same mm. price mark as Tabletop Simulator which I think is £15 so yeah. at the moment it's kind of hard to see why you would go for this over one that has like a really well established kind of thing a lot of updates a lot of players but hey if you want to go check it out it's there for you yeah. Uh, the only other news I'd add is, firstly, Super Cult oh, yeah. Express uh, is a really fast version of Cult Express, which I didn't know about. And now I do know about. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and also, there's a digital version of Blood Rage. Yes. Uh, which is coming out or is out? One of the two. I think One it's out. One of those two. Yeah. The, the first of the Mythic Trilogy to be turned into a video game. Mm. I may give it a whirl. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Vikings, that feels like the the kind of big Viking game of 2015 or wherever it came out. So, yeah. I think it was it feels like it kind yeah. of preempted a lot of the, the Viking stuff going on nowadays. Yeah. All this stuff is thanks, thanks to Blood Rage. Blood Rage. <laughs> a special thanks to Blood Rage. Right. Uh, yeah. That That's the, the news. news. We already mentioned some of the Kickstarters. Again, there's not a lot of new releases at the moment. Um, Forgotten Waters is out, as we said, uh, today, Friday, when this goes up uh, in the UK. And then it's coming in the US at the start of June, I think. Bullet is on Kickstarter. Sea of Legends is on Kickstarter. We've kind of mentioned Dead Reckonings coming up. So, moving on to questions from the audience. Da 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 da. Ask us your questions. Da 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 da. We'll answer them. That's a I'm good imagining, one. I'm imagining like a, like a Jerry Springer type program, but the host is a golf <laughs> droid. 
Honk. And it just drives My husband's around. cheating on me. Honk. <laughs> Honk. <laughs> when you said Jerry Springer, it's my mind little... went to Jerry Seinfeld, so I just heard ba bing ba bong ba bing bong. <laughs> me too. Which would make Jerry Springer have a very different tone. Yeah, a little microphone just pops out of its I genuinely, body. I can't remember, not that I watched a lot of Jerry Springer, but I just now tried to think of the music and all that came to mind is the Art Attack music. So I don't know, <laughs> in my mind, everything's just been scrambled. I, I vaguely remember the Jerry Springer music having a lot of sax in it. I can't, yeah. I'm, I'm not... And Don't Art quote Attack me on that, had he said on a podcast. Track. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I always get Art Attack mixed up with um, Smart. Yeah. Oh, Smart. Yeah. Yeah, they were both around the same period. I mean, if we're gonna go after like music from art programs, it's absolutely got to be Vision on the theme from Tony Hart's Gallery. Do, 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 uh, yeah. do, do. Am I showing my age here? A bit. Okay, fine. <laughs> Well, good. So what questions are spilling out of the question oh! bag this week? Uh, why don't you kick off, Johnny, with this one from... Uh, actually, let's have this one from Waronica. On Twitter. All right, where I see it. Ooh, this is a good seems question. Are there yeah. any games that you wish had the same amount of popularity as Monopoly? I mean, that's a. I feel like I'm about to watch a finger curl and a monkey <laughs> paw because obviously there are lots of games that I want to be more popular, but do I want them to be monopoly popular? Mm. Like, I mean, I, I've I've gone on about Doomtown Reloaded so much <laughs> already on this podcast, but I'm sad that it doesn't have a bigger community. It's quite a niche card game when I I think it deserves to be absolutely massive. But would I want it to be Monopoly big? Oh, I don't know. I mean, know. it's it's Some... big, but I think going like outside of the the revisions of Monopoly, which I think is... I kind of was chatting about this on Twitter with a few people, and it's like, Monopoly as a core game isn't great, but it's not horrendous. I think it's more the concept of Monopoly nowadays that is kind of so mm. grim, where they're doing these kind of very trolly versions of it that seem very deliberately place to just rile people up and get them talking about monopoly yeah the ms monopoly advert with yeah. bait and they're kind of leaning into the well people hate monopoly so much and then they're all talking about it which is kind of the, <laughs> the modern sensibility of just stirring up anyway mm -hmm. anyway but i think yeah one of the games that would be great to just it's big but it's you know I think it should be at the point where everyone has played it. It is Pandemic. I think it's one of those kind of really fantastic, mm. it's cooperative, it's interesting. It's not a perfect game, but it is really, it's really brilliant in just the way that it conjures so much out of so little. Like, it feels like it's theme, but it's also mechanically very interesting. You know, you get a good sense of, as long as you don't have someone just trying to control the entire group, you have the sense of, okay, you have this skill, I have that skill. There's just a little, there's enough to give each player a distinctive kind of position in the group and role. And so I think it would be amazing if Pandemic was at the point where it, and it, it's getting there for sure, where it's just one of those absolute staples of board games. And you think of it on the same level as something like Monopoly or Scrabble, where it mm. immediately comes to everyone's mind. 
Mm. Yeah, I th- yeah. If we're talking about sort of gateway games, it would be good to 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 get more in the public consciousness. I think uh, Carcassonne mm. would be a great one if that if that was just if that was the one people played as as kids. That would be wonderful. In terms of games, mm. I just wish were more popular. I'm actually going to go with King's Dilemma. Mm. Um, and this is partly because I miss my friends an awful lot right now, and we're halfway through a campaign that's now on pause indefinitely. Um, but I think it is a really good game in terms of opening people's minds up to to just different mechanics, because there's a really heavy social element to it, but it also does boil down to just what is the best move for me this turn. So it's not overwhelming, but the story's really interesting, and sort of the gut punch you get when certain things happen... Um, it's a bloody lovely game, and it really does give you that sense of the, um, you know, the the small council Game of Thrones style. I'm going to have a sip of wine now that I've obliquely threatened to kill you, sort of stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, that's a, an absolute corker yeah. of a game. I could imagine there being a Game of Thrones version of that. Actually, mm. I mean, it'd be quite easy. God, it'd be. I mean, it, give it give it seven years, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get one. Uh, it would be great if it didn't have to be attached to the IP, especially since you know people hated the end of the last season so much. It's sunk mm. from the public consciousness after dominating it for ten years. Mm. It's really quite an impressive vanishing mm. act. But, well uh, done, Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, yeah. well Congrats. done, you lot. You're you're less relevant than Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> you can see though why why there's kind of been a splurge of like licensed games because in some ways it feels like an attempt to mm-hmm. do this is. There are some really interesting just game mechanics and game formats that when you put, I don't know, when you, so Cosmic Encounter, for instance, like Cosmic Encounter has been around for decades. It's really well known and loved within the board game community, but the wider world knows nothing of it. And so they, Mm. they then attached that to the Game of Thrones IP and it was, I think it was Hand of the Throne or Hand of the King, something like that, or maybe just the Iron Throne. I can't remember. There were so many Game of Thrones games, but you see things like that where they, and sometimes they'll tweak them, sometimes it'll just be the same game in different dressing. But you can see why publishers do it, because it's board games are yeah. still relatively niche. Outside of the few that explode, you mm. know, it's still hard to find a footing. And if someone walks into a shop and sees King's Dilemma, they are, they're unlikely to be drawn to it among the however many games, because there's no easy way of getting across what's so cool about that game, you know. Whereas if someone yep. sees Game of Thrones and they're like, oh, I like Game of Thrones, or let's say two years ago, people were like, I like Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, I'll pick that up because I like Game of Thrones. So I think licensed games aren't necessarily an evil. I think we're all tired of them, as we we're saying with Monopoly. But you can, if they get really good, interesting ideas out there, and then pay, people are able to make good, strong, original stuff off the back mm. of that, that's hopefully only a good thing. You know what, Matt Jarvis, yeah. that's an excellent point and I'm going to wind my neck in a bit. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, we make a big joke of licensed games here, but uh, I've got nothing against the concept of it and, like, quite a few I've played I've really enjoyed. Like, the Battlestar Galactica game is really good. I really like that game. Firefly game. I believe the Spartacus one is quite good. Mm-hmm. It, yes, it is. Um... They can be really good if the effort is put in. And I think, like, for example, I think Betrayal at House on the Hill is kind of going in that direction at the moment because we, I believe we have a Scooby-Doo version coming out for kids, which is nice um, because as much as Betrayal is hokey, 
there is obviously plenty of content in there that wouldn't be suitable for younger children. Mm -hmm. But, you know, kids like Scooby-Doo, and it's got the same sort of formula, just stripped back a bit to make it more accessible. And I think Betrayal is a really good uh, property to do that with, and they've done it before with Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is really good and really weird property to kind of combine with. Um, uh, but I'm very happy that it happened because that game is actually really good and the tone of it is really interesting and very different from the original Betrayal. So I think it can be done, it's just obviously at the Monopoly level at the moment, it's just too much and that's kind of what we're expressing, that it's just like, it feels like a lot of these, not only obviously is the, the frequency of the releases like a lot, they also feel like they've they're very um, shallow and like they don't really much have a, much of a hook, you know. Also, doesn't help that you know most of us don't really like Monopoly. Mm. Yeah, true. Fair. Alex Meehan, would you like to take this next question from Johan? Johan, oh, ah, I think yeah, I think it's is it Johan's Paulson? I think so. Johan Paulson. I think so. I hope I said that right. Um, they ask, um, what's a tabletop RPG that's really easy to GM? I've always been the GM in my group, and I've never had the chance to be a player. So which game could I sell to another group member as a really low-maintenance GMing? Um, we might as well buy into that uh, classic trope we sort of have for the seven episodes we've been doing the podcast for. <laughs> Uh, by mentioning Quest, mm -hmm. yep. firstly, that let's get that out of the way. Um, yeah, Quest is really easy to GM, so if you want a really basic beginner's RPG to GM with, Quest is very simple, you can get it in PDF form, uh, and it's a really lovely written and illustrated book, very accessible, um, so I would recommend that to any mm. beginner GM. Other than that, a lot of the... Um, Powered by the Apocalypse RPGs yeah. are really good for first-time GMers. There's a lot of them out there. Um, there's uh, Worldwide Wrestling. Yes, there which is, is. Second edition now. So good, so good. Mm -hmm. That we played. Yeah, my god. Uh, <laughs> and also the Root RPG is coming up. There's plenty already existing that you can get your hands on. Um, our king of the RPGs, Mr. Keenini. Give us your input. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm reeling from that nickname. Uh, <laughs> mine, uh, there it is. My recommendations will probably be a little bit heavier. Like, Savage Worlds is not the simplest to get your head around at the start, but once you've got even a base understanding, it is very easy to keep moving. So it's kind of one of those RPGs where you can learn on the go. Like, you can keep the session moving rather than having it break down when you look up the rules for this, 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 or this. And it's a very intuitive one to um, uh, improvise with. And I kind of... I want to say the Blades in the Dark system. So, like, Forged in the Dark games, it's just very easy for players to understand... Um, how good they are at something and what they need to roll. Like You look at a skill, you've got dots. Uh, a dot is a d6, you roll the d6, you're looking to, to roll as high as possible on a d6. You take your highest die result and that is what happens. 
um, it's a very easy game for you to assimilate and therefore it's very easy for you to start running it um, the only place where it is taxing is it puts a lot of creativity and control over the game in the player's hands which a is good because it means that you know like they're influencing stuff and they're doing a lot more of the, the lifting but it also means that you have to be quite nimble you have to be mm. quick off the mark with um imagining consequences for things going badly or you just have to be open to taking suggestions from the players which is another perfectly valid way of of playing it so i don't know i it's like i say it's it's a challenge but it is also mechanically quite simple to pick up and i think that's really good like running a campaign of blaze in the dark made me a palpably better gm in a very short amount of time like i can think of no other game that improved my GMing as much as Blaze in the Dark did over the course of just right. maybe six sessions. So that's a good one. And it's also I love the world. I think that is more, maybe more so than the system. Because obviously, like, like you were saying, there are multiple games based on similar systems. But when you're GMing, I think, particularly when you're starting out, just finding a world that you really connect with. And again, licensed games can be handy mm. for that. I haven't played loads of licensed RPGs, but I think just having a handle on whether it's a distinct world like okay we're in the world of game of thrones or or just it's a western it's a sci-fi it's a fantasy just being able to pick something up and go okay i feel comfortable and i can tell a story you know and hopefully the mechanics fade into the background because often at least when i was starting out the mm. the struggle i had was like what story do i tell in here but i think if you just start out with like oh i know what kind of stories happen in a fantasy world and then just mash bits of those together. Eventually, you'll get to the point where you're just coming up with, you know, interesting original storylines on the fly. But it's perfectly fine to just draw from what you know to begin mm. with. In terms of systems, I would, uh, mm. I would absolutely recommend. I really love Power by the Apocalypse stuff, um, which I'm relatively new to. But the more I play it, the more I absolutely love it to bits. Um, I also really like the Gumshoe system, which is very. Sp- specific oh, yeah. to kind of before, investigation um so the game i really love that's based on gumshoe is trail of cthulhu which is a kind of lovecraftian horror rpg but it's very much focused on the investigating cults and mysteries rather than fighting big grizzlies or gribblies uh but it's <laughs> big grizzlies <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a monster over yeah. there wait hold on a second i've just got a lamp this bear uh <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh it's just another bear it turns out the cult Goodness were just me. six grizzly bears in hoods uh, they were just after some salmon um but the oh, it's no. it's really simple it's 1d6 so it's a single six-sided dice a die even um and the thing i really like about gumshoe is that if you have points in a trait you just know it because all of your characters are experts in certain things. So if you look at an antique vase and you have some points in antiques, of course you you can work that out. You don't need to roll for that. Um, which, it mm. means that it's very much more story-focused at points, which some folks might find more intimidating, I, I guess, because you can't rely on the rolling of dice. You have to just roll with, uh, roll with it. Mm. But it's it's such a kind of slick system that cuts out a lot of the, the heft of bigger games like call of cthulhu which is kind of based on um it cuts out a lot of that and it's just like you either know it or you roll 1d6 to find out you know how the combat goes or 
whatnot. So I would recommend it if you're after if you're mm. into investigation stuff. Yeah, I'd say like for me, often my biggest hurdle with GMing, which believe it or not, I'm still sort of not like a beginner, but it's not. I haven't GM'd nearly as much as I've played. Um, is like I can do the story, no problem. Like I don't struggle with those creative ideas. It's more like establishing the sort of boundaries and the like. Okay, for this to work, we need to have these NPCs, for example. We need to have these different ways of the you know players uh, overcoming or encountering the different scenarios. It's like the nitty gritty elements of it. I sometimes struggle with, especially if the system's a bit more complex. But I find like compartmentalizing those aspects. So once you have the overarching story, then you can move on to okay, uh, what do we need to actually feel the story? You know, the the actual parts where the the players are, you know, interacting with the the world beyond just uh, just the story. Um, I'd also say lays and feelings. And also uh, dread, uh, especially I really like dread because it especially allows you to create a very structured um, RPG session because they're designed to be one shots. They're designed to be in a single location, um, which allows you to kind of control things a little bit more, uh, and it, it kind of helps you maybe avoid, you know, players running off and doing their own thing and having to work on the fly. So if you're scared about that, maybe try something like Dread. Fantastic. All right, I'm going to read this one from Chris Field, which says, what's the longest, most Ooh. complex board game you've ever played, and did you regret uh, Did you regret it even? I will say that it wasn't complex in terms of mechanically there was a lot going on, but one of the worst board game experiences I've ever had was playing First Martians... Uh, I think for, it's called First Martians. It's the the kind of sci-fi spiritual successor to Robinson Crusoe um, by Ignacy mm-hmm. Chivashek, whose games I, t- I tend to like. I really like Detective, which he made after this. Um, but First Martians, it took us three hours to understand the rules through reading the rule book, then watching <laughs> multiple YouTube videos. And by the time we actually came to play the game... It turns out that the rules were just a load of over-convoluted dressing of like a relatively kind of dull worker placement game. And it was really deflating because it, it seemed like it had loads of promise. It was kind of built like a legacy game where it's like you're surviving on Mars and you you go through multiple scenarios. But the, the gameplay itself, I just I didn't enjoy it and it was so much work to get to it. They actually ended up putting out... So I was I was reviewing it at the time, so it had only just come out. And um, shortly after I had fought my way through it, it took us, all in all, it was hours upon hours. Like I say, it was, it was literally about three hours before we even sat down to play it. Um, but they ended up putting out wow. an errata of fixes for the rule book, And I want to say that it was about 60 pages long, just the errata. I, I could be misremembering there, but I'm almost certain it, it was really lengthy. And it was just one of those cases where the rulebook was such a chore and the game was not that complicated. It was just really hard to understand. And it just it was so draining mm-hmm. as an experience 
the I have since I've reviewed it, I've never ever wanted to go back to it. And I think it's not the worst game I've played, but it's maybe the worst experience I've had playing a game. So it's safe to say that's a yes on whether yes, or not you absolutely. regret it. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me, it's probably. Um, I've got two answers to this. Um, firstly, the Game of Thrones board game that was released in like early 2000s, by Fantasy Flight. So I believe just around when the television show was kind of kicking off. Mm-hmm. Um, I played that quite a few years ago and I was still kind of a little bit of a novice at board games but I went around this house with my friends the same friends who made me play Talisman Um, so (laughs) you know I liked Game of Thrones I was like yeah I'll give it a go and oh my goodness from what I remember I just was so overwhelmed by everything like it's quite a complicated there's a lot of busy stuff going on the board um, lots of tokens um, loads of different phases so from what I can remember there's like a marshalling phase and like a fighting phase and then you have like a collecting power phase and um, you know having played that with some people who are a bit more experienced in playing board games it was kind of awful because um, they didn't really make a huge amount of effort to get me engaged uh, and then, because I wasn't 100% sure what was going on, uh, I kind of switched off, like, partway through, and then uh, basically spent the next two hours just sat there, like, watching people move stuff around, and then when it came to my go, I was like, I guess I'll put this token here and maybe do something with that? Um, so maybe I'd give that game another go now. Um, I think the consensus is it's fairly good. Yeah, um, it's I. I mean, it's also horribly imbalanced. Mm. So it's like whether or not you enjoy it, it really does depend on what house you get. Uh, which you know, yeah. fair play, you know, accuracy to the source material and all that kind of stuff. But if somebody gets dealt a faction and go, oh, I'm just not going to have fun, mm. that's a problem. Like that's mm. not good. Um, the other one was oh my goodness, you're going to have to help me remembering what this was called uh, I played it with Lolis and Wheels we were just testing it out and it was a dexterity board game where you build buildings on a city oh. uh, and it's in I think it's in real time and I think we were like de- testing it out for a video yeah, um, I remember I you all coming out of that and being like f this into the into the floor yeah no oh, i've never it? felt was so mega city oceana my entire life yeah that's, that's the, the one. one mega city oceana uh, i don't know whether it's my clumsy <laughs> crab hands or whether it was just the stress of you know uh, playing in real time but that game made me feel like a complete moron uh, and uh, I hated playing it Um, so there you go I think for me so I love complicated board games Um, I really didn't think I did because obviously you know 
we've already talked about it a little bit, when you're getting through a lot of rules, there comes that point where it's almost like having a carb slump. You just go, oh, like, can I go on? But some of my all-time favourites are, you know, are quite complex. So they have multiple phases, you know, like I, I love Twilight Imperium, stuff like that. Um, so there are lots of complicated games I've played that I don't regret. Like, um, like Eldritch Horror is a bit of a slog to pick up and get yeah. through but I really enjoy it. I think it's brilliant narrative work. Robinson Crusoe, the first couple of times I played that, uh, we we were doing everything wrong and we had to start again like twice. That was partly because my friend was really excited to teach it and had told us he'd assimilated the rule book when he just, he'd barely read the blurb. Um, So a lot of them, the really complex ones, I don't regret at all. Like the Republic of Rome, I adore because that's really bloody complex and really stupid. And the rule book is awful but it's worth it the only one i i do regret is mage knight because the setup for that take took would take me an hour um and i played it like a handful of times with the same people and every single time we just had to relearn because it's just so weighty and um again i, I guess it was it was some years ago now so maybe i just maybe i'd have an easier time learning it now but i just grew to resent it slowly sitting on my shelf because i just my friend put it really aptly when we reached the end of one of the play sessions and he went look I, this feels like a game that you have to play at least once a month just to keep it fresh in your brain and if you don't then you're screwed um and it turned out the the pull of mage knight was just not strong enough for us to do that so we mm. put it by the wayside so that that's fair bloody mage knight uh all right johnny would you like to take this one from saul reed yes i would what are some of your favourite minifigs in board games? Ones that really stood out to you Let's among expand the this rest. to include like Warhammer miniatures as well. Because I think just like favourite okay. miniatures in general, whether it's sculpts or, or whatnot. Alright. Hmm. I will say that I really like the miniatures in GKR Heavy Hitters. Which are mechs, and it's it's a game from Weta Workshop, which did all the visual effects for Lord of the Rings, and uh, I think Chappie yep. in District Nine and various other bits of bobs. But it's it's a bloody enormous <laughs> box. It's like the half the size of my dining room table, quite literally. Um, but it comes with big kind of cardboard buildings, and you are mechs, and it's a deck builder, and you attack. But the mechs are pre-painted, and they are these incredible looking things like it has such an incredible visual style like they pop with really bright colors i just think it's a real joy to look at um so i'm a big fan of those Ooh. and also speaking of mechs i also like the the minifigs that come in mechs and minions the board game from riot based on uh, league mm. of legends again just good visual strong style Ooh. strong visual style even i think for visual strength uh in terms of board games, I'm really fond of some of the pieces in Maya Marsh. Like I keep looking at the um, the wagon that's got tentacles coming out of it, and I just want to paint it up. Um, even if I mean my copy of Maya Marsh is in the office in Brighton, so you know I'm not going to get to play that anytime soon. But um, that is good. Uh, I'm just trying to think of games. Oh, the Mice and Mystics miniatures are gorgeous. Um, even though I kind of I played that game a few times and then just gave it to a friend because I was like, I think I've got everything I can from this. They're just really lovely miniatures that really help seal the wholesome, beautiful artwork and just keep it at the forefront of your mind as you're playing, which is great. Um, And in terms of miniatures in general, 
I think the Malifaux third edition sculpts are beautiful. Um, I've never been so tempted to get into that game, really. Uh, obviously, I like a lot of Warhammer stuff because I'm a big Skaven collector, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, uh, I've, at the minute, I'm really into painting uh, miniatures from Northumberland Tin Soldier because they're really old school kind of um, minis. Like, I'm painting one up at the minute who's just called The Creep. And he's like a tiny, a tiny dude with like massive wet eyes, and he's got a knife. And they're just, they've got <laughs> he's some. He's got a knife. They've got some really clunky old school charm that I really love. So that's my I'll answer. I'll say the the new go. Infinity uh, figures that Will's keeps showing off look fantastic. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Code um, one, is it yeah. Infinity Code One? Code. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tempting. Because it definitely feels like a beginner-friendly box for Infinity and getting into that and having a bang on on it. I just, as time goes on, I've come to realise I just can't, I can't, I haven't got the time or the energy anymore mm. to be doing full army games. I just want to play skirmish games. Because if you can fit two or three in, in the same amount of time as, as it takes to lose one game of Age of Sigmar, sign me up. Like, that's that's brilliant and beautiful and it, it's just faster paced and more exciting. Um, so yeah, maybe Infinity's the one that'll kill Team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I have to say I haven't played a huge amount of games with miniatures. They're not really the style of game that I tend to go for, and I don't have a huge amount of experience with, you know, wargaming, uh, you know, miniature war games. Um. So I would agree with Johnny and say yes, the Maya Marsh figures are really cool. Uh, I love goblins and the goblins look really great in that. Uh, there's one that just carries a load of stuff around. He's like a hoarder and he's just got this big massive backpack. Um, I really enjoy that. Uh, the I would say <laughs> when we were playing Betrayal oh, last week, the miniatures in that game are horrible. Um, <laughs> They really are grotesque. Yeah. Um, the you could zoom in on them on yeah. mod and the, just the gross. They somehow like, look their worse faces in that mod as well. Because at least it, in person, they're wow, like impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Mod, it just flattens them into two D standees. Oh no. Yeah, they are hideous. Um, and the miniatures mm. for Ank. Um, the pictures I've seen of them, mm. at least. Um, Wow, there's some really interesting design choices for the, the different gods, and they've really kind of thrown themselves into the different personalities and visual. They really convey like a visual style of like, oh, this is what this god is about, and you know, this what you know, this is what this one is about. Like, um, from what I remember, Osiris has like people holding him up, cool, like physically, like holding him in place, and. Um, Anubis has like skulls everywhere, obviously. Mm. So, um, I mean, I, frankly, I'm amazed you didn't use this as an opportunity for a second <laughs> scythe update because, of oh, course, yeah. the scythe minis are nice. I mean, <laughs> in the problem is, I've not seen what they look like in in person. They're good like, fun. I've, only seen... I've painted a setup for a friend just as a present, and they're, they're good fun. So, I've spent quite a long time staring at them now. I tell you what, once we get back to normal and you inevitably buy yourself a copy of scythe. I'll paint up your minis for you. How's that? I won't do the max because that's too much work. But I'll do I'll do the main characters. Oh my goodness, I've so much to look forward to. 
How am I going to control myself? <laughs> Speaking of things to look forward to, I think it's about time we oh! wrap up. Uh, if you have a question, thank you to everyone that's sending questions. If you have a question for the Dustbreaker podcast, you'd like the team to address. Address sounds terrible. If you'd like them to answer, whether it's about board games, tabletop role-playing games, or whatever you have in mind, chuck stuff our way. Ask us more questions about the mummy and Brendan Fraser's role in it. All the people did that Twitter post where it's like all the people in the mummy are really (laughs) handsome. It's like they damn are like they are incredible looking people. Swoon. Apart from hey, don't shame Benny Benny lovers. Benny's got his own aura, and I'm into it personally. (laughs) Yeah, I know he's a bit skeevy. That's all. That's yeah. The kind of (laughs) there you go. Like deep, like I think he's got really. like I think he's got eyeshadow on or something, but his eyes look really sunken, and yeah. like he looks like he's really tired and anxious, and that's absolutely I can see myself in that. So don't Benny shame. <laughs> oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, you know, do, you do you, mate. I'm just saying he he is well, disloyal yes, I can't to speak for his personality too much. True. But mm. now we just need oh. to talk about the mummy too. Yeah, that's for another podcast. Yeah. Where's the Scorpion King and all this, huh? And then, of course, the Scorpion King. Anyway, uh, I said we'd wrap up. Let's not go off on a tangent about the mummy. We'll be here for another hour and a half. Uh, So, yes, if you'd like your question answered, is the sentence I was trying to say before it span off into nonsense, is uh, you should look out for our Twitter posts. Uh, We kind of put out a call each week for questions or email us at contact at dicebreaker.com and use the subject line DB podcast. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch. Uh, and of course, let us know what you think of the podcast on yeah. whatever platform you happen to be listening to it on, whether it's YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or, you know, just just let us know. It'll be good. Gramophone, 45. Gramophone. Yeah, if you shout into a gramophone, yeah, I shall hear you. Let's start a monthly vinyl club and it's just the Dicebreaker podcast on two seven inches. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll rip, it. I'll rip it onto vinyl. This podcast would not True. fit on two seven inches. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, like I said, that's all we have time for. <laughs> so, uh, what's coming up before we close out? What's coming up on YouTube.com slash Dicebreaker, Johnny Chiodini? We've yeah. kind of teased a fair amount of it. The uh, Deadlands, the Weird West um, little mini campaign continues. Um, we've got the Let's Play of Bullet coming up. Um, and some other things like streams and this podcast and my mind always goes sorry. blank during I love this. to put people so on sorry, the spot but, and just drop that's... <laughs> but I, I know it's coming it, it's at the end of every podcast and yet here we are so I'll tell you, I'll tell you here's a one that's that's going to be coming up um, the other night I was, I'd finished playing a spooky video game with a friend and we were both wanting to play something but nothing too taxing and we discovered tabletop mini golf on tabletop simulator and it's stupid so I want to do a stream where we all wear lurid shirts, we mix ourselves some really garishly coloured cocktails and we just get loose playing 18 rounds of golf. That sounds... 18 holes of golf. 18 rounds of golf would take days. That sounds A-OK to me. I mean. Apart from... <laughs> is that what I signed... Is that what I signed up for when I took this job? I'm afraid so. I had to play 18 rounds Yeah, that's rounds on your contract, I think. Golf of tabletop table. mini Must dress as goblin. Must yeah. play uh... tabletop golf. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. What's going on on the asking, website? Johnny? What's coming up? Alex, me and what is coming up on the website? 
<laughs> no, it's it's cool. I have this house. So, of course, your Matt Mercer or Matthew, sorry, Mercer interview is up now, um, which is a really, really great read. It's mm. him chatting about world building in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, obviously, Matt, Matthew Mercer of Critical Role fame. Um, but it was interesting to get a kind of insight into yes. his processes and how he kind of came up with this world that a heck of a lot of people happen to watch nowadays. Yeah, it was a nice chat. Um, yeah, uh, people seem to have responded to it quite positively. Uh, you can find that on the website. Uh, and leave a nice comment yeah. about uh, stuff. Of course, I think we've we've also mentioned this, but Johnny, uh, as you're also here, your fantastic preview of Deadlands, which I think the Kickstarter's now ended, or it might be in its... But, it has uh, ended Yeah, now, I really yeah. enjoyed reading your thoughts. As someone that's played a lot of Deadlands... Um, kind of reading your thoughts about the new edition, The Weird West, which is also happens to be what we're playing Thanks. on the YouTube channel. So if you'd like to read Johnny's thoughts on it and see it in action, Indeed. we've got you covered. All Deadlands, yeah. all the I time. I am now on Team Deadlands, having not played much of it before and having played some of it now. It's, it's real good. Uh, other things on the website this yeah. week. Uh, already up is our list of really uh, good, or the best, one might say, escape from games that you can play at home. Um, which is actually something I've been doing myself. I've been playing one with my mum because um, we used to do escape rooms together and she mm. asked what we could play together. And so it's like a downloadable escape room. Um, although we don't have a That's printer, amazing. so we're having to like screenshot parts of it, like PDF documents, and then draw on it with paint <laughs> in paint uh, on the PC, uh, which is a little more fiddly than it, it should be, but it's really good fun. Um, but we've got a fantastic list um, by Alex Spencer, who played through six of those and kind of ranked them and rated them. Uh, and they're very good if you're looking for something to do while in this continuing lockdown. And going up, well, up by the time you listen to this, is a feature. I just did a little fart noise with my hands and it made me laugh. Sorry, I'm so crude. <laughs> it was again and it just did a tiny little beep. Uh, the, way, the only way to close out this podcast is <laughs> Look, hand farts. In, these days, Matt Jarvis, <laughs> it's the small pleasure. You've got to try and yeah, take the small pleasure. Uh, yes, but anyway, <laughs> this is such a rambling <laughs> rambling end to this, <laughs> as if you'd expect any different. Uh, there's a feature about Itch.io, um, the online platform for tabletop RPGs and kind of the indie scene that's developed around it, uh, which is a really fantastic read. Um, so hey if you and of course the latest news reviews that kind of thing we've got it all so head on over if you're not heading all over already yeah double 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 full stop dice full stop com call now dvd okay thank you johnny for joining us. Thank you, thank Mian, you for joining so us. Thank you so much. I've been it's Matt, been and great. thank you, listener, for joining us. Uh, and, and viewers, of and course. Viewer. Yes. Uh, and viewer. We'll be back if you're next Friday with YouTube. more Dicebreaker podcast. But until then, have a lovely day. Bye.